When we think about the word fluency or being fluent, we only think about language, correct? But aren't there things in our lives that we are fluent with? Think about a dancer. The ability to move effortlessly and with grace. And some of you out there are fluent in dancers. And I've been to weddings where some of you are so not fluent in dancing. Same thing, Matt. Same thing with, with passions, with mathematics. I think about guys who are accountants, like numbers excite them. Seriously? Like, it's just like, well, they're just calculating. When you, when you talk about a vacation, hey, we're going on vacation, they start calculating what it's going to cost and how much money they have and what they can and cannot spend. And I'm thinking, dude, let's just go away and relax. But they are so fluent in it that it's second nature. And think about that. Many of you, I truly believe this, as your shepherd, as a spiritual overseer of this church, I believe that many of you, if not all of you, who call the Plant Your Home Church, truly would say, I love Jesus. I'm here to really just grow. I'm here to know Him. And then this whole idea, you keep saying like, and make Him known. But the problem is this. Unless He becomes fluent in our lives, unless we understand Him easily and without effort, unless we let Him easily and effortlessly work on our lives, we will never know how to translate that to others. And that's the tension we live in. We live in this that I can communicate it in church. I can translate it. Josh sings, so I sing at him. Rob speaks, so I try to take in. I go to MC and I bring my Bible. I show up for Center for Food Action and I help stock the shelves. And so those are the things that you understand about the Gospel. Almost, Jesus loved me, so I do good things. I show up. But I really wonder, and this is not just towards the plants, I really wonder if people truly know the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm speaking to those who have been Christians for 10, 20, 30 years. To that Christian who is a brand new baby Christian and just trying to understand it. And Gospel fluency is simply to know the Gospel. To apply it to your life. And then to speak it to others. Do you know the Gospel? Are you trying to apply this to your life? And what happens when when someone truly asks asks you why you do what you do or why you believe what you believe or why you make certain choices or why you value certain things, like, does it translate that you have values? That you have conviction? That you've done certain life changes because you believe it and now you're able to freely speak it? And I know that's the biggest tension for people who follow Jesus. It's almost like you want to live the Gospel through me. Let Rob have the miracle stories. Let Rob have those divine encounters. 
Let Rob teach us how he forgives others. But my goal as your shepherd is to help you understand the Gospel. To help you learn to apply it to your lives. And then in those moments, those kairos moments, those divine dynamic encounters, that you're able to speak it to someone else so that they would receive the Gospel just as you have received it. And that's the tension we all live in. Amen? Anyone live in that tension? Okay, everyone's lying. Anyone live in that tension? Come on, let's go. We can participate. Oh, we're not singing. You're not afraid of it. Just go. That's the tension. That's the tension. And I am going to cause us to wrestle with the elephant's in your heart. Not the elephant in the room. The elephant in your heart. So that we actually function like a community cultivating the love, the truth, and compassion of Jesus Christ. So before we step into week one, I want to pray that our hearts would be open to simply relearning the Gospel. Did you hear what I said? That we, we would simply relearn the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this morning. And God, sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to communicate. And God, I thank you even for my study in this and my wrestling with it and my desire to communicate this and, and getting stuck even when it seems like it's the simplest component of who You are. And so Jesus, in, in my stuck place, I sympathize for others. And it's my desire to help them understand and communicate what they value most. In Jesus' name, Amen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, 16-17. And really over the next couple weeks, this is going to be our springboard passage. It doesn't mean that we're going to get stuck there. It means it's going to be our springboard passage that, that this whole idea of gospel fluency begins. And so Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up here. The Apostle Paul writes this to the, to the church in Rome. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Jesus Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. And as the Scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Now take a moment. Look at verse 16. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. For a first-time reader or a first-time attender, I think the fair question we need to ask, and it's the question we need to repeatedly ask ourselves is, what is the good news? 
What is the Gospel of Jesus Christ? It's a question that we, we throw out and we, we take advantage of it thinking that we fully have embraced it, that when we just say that, you know, I believe in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what is the Gospel? Well, the Gospel is sort of like taking care of the poor, helping my neighbor. When I do bad things, God rescues me. But do we truly understand what the Gospel, the good news is? And I'm going to spell it out in a very elementary way. Because sometimes the most simple forms of learning have the most profound understandings. Let's see what Jesus said of what the Gospel was. John 3.16 Oh, I've heard this verse like four billion times. I hate this verse. The earth, uh, I'm going to the Giants game. John 3.16 Look at me. But seriously, this is where it all begins. Because what happened was one night a religious leader sought Jesus out in the darkness. He was afraid to be seen with Him. And the question that he asked Him was, Who are you? Where is your identity found in? Who are you saying you actually are? Because that's what the Gospel really is. It's it's who is this true identity of Jesus Christ? Is He a historical prophet? Or is He something else? And I think in moments of stuck conversations, we, we kind of like the idea of historical prophet that I hold to. But what Jesus says about what He is is so much more profound. And He says this, He says, For this is how God loved the world. Let me tell you about how much God loves you, Nicodemus. The guy who found me in the middle of the night because you were ashamed that I might be who you think I am. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. And God sent His Son into the world not to what? Judge the world. But to save the world through Him. Man, we love the judging part. So what happened? And we know the story. We know the story that there was a a problem in the garden. Where God created humanity, He created you and I to live forever. I remember one night in high school, my buddy Dave Fowler in the back seat and I were being naughty. And I remember running around the University of Delaware, and I'm totally being vulnerable, my kids are going to be so mad at me. And I remember thinking like, we're going to live forever. We're college students. And we literally started getting this whole house party chanting, We're going to live forever. We're going to live forever. And there was this desire in us that like, that's how we would live. That we would live forever in the midst of our sin. But that's not what God did. God created us to live forever not having this stopwatch called sin living in us. 
And He created us in our humanity that, that we would actually spend all eternity, something we cannot fathom, something we cannot grasp, even when we know that someone knew Jesus and died, we still struggle with their eternity. Why? Because it's something we can't comprehend. But when He created Adam and Eve, He created them with an eternal life that was never supposed to go, stop. But Adam chose, he made a choice to sin. He made a choice to disobey God. And God said you can do anything in this garden but one thing. You can do anything. You have the freedom to do anything. Go ride the horses. Go pet the salamanders. Go hang out in the fields. Swim in the rivers. Just spend time loving one another. Right? Isn't that like when we go away with our spouses, that's what we want? Like this utopia of what the garden's supposed to be like? But Adam chose to disobey God. And I think the fair question we need to ask ourselves like, did God create sin? Did He? And it's one of those things that we wrestle with and it's kind of like, well, I don't know how I answer that because I really don't know the answer. Let me give you the answer. God did not create sin. Sin was not this like little dark pill that you eat and something happens like in the movies. God created free will in each one of us. He gave us the opportunity to love Him, to be in relationship with Him, to follow Him, to enjoy Him. And what He was saying to Adam is like, I just want you to choose me. Have you ever said that to your spouse? Have you ever said that? Someone just laughed. <laughs> they just laughed. <laughs> Have you ever said that? Like, I just want you to choose me. And in complete vulnerability in our crazy schedules at times, Sue really asks the question, why don't you choose me? And that's all God was saying is, I'm going to give you a free will to choose to be in unity with me. But there was a consequence for that choice. Some of you guys are like in trouble tonight or their spouses are in trouble tonight. Just what I said. Totally. Josh, you're in trouble. So in that, this whole idea is like, he chose. He chose to disobey God. He didn't choose to eat a little magic pill. He didn't choose to eat a wild mushroom. He didn't choose that. He just chose and said, I don't want to do what you want me to. Because I actually want to be like you. You see, that's what sin is, is that, that God gives us this free will and, and we have this choice. And the funny thing is, is that when I think about this, I think about this idea that, that you would have thought like right away, like when Adam messed up and he saw everything around him just change and shift and seem different and all of a sudden the dude was running around naked and then all of a sudden he realized what naked was and there wasn't even a word called naked back then until that moment. But right there and then, Adam knew he offended God. And his offense was now this death. This, this now 
temporary stopwatch in our souls. That's not how we were created. Did God create sin? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that He chose free will and the opposite of choosing to love God is sin. That's all it is. We make it something more because we like to kind of line sin up. We like to kind of categorize how bad things are. How naughty people can be. But sin is simply choosing to disobey God's perfect plan for your life. In the big picture and the small picture. You see, Adam offended God. He offended Him. Now think about this. The whole Gospel of Jesus Christ is summed up in one word. Forgiveness. You see, God's desire was not that He would be angry at us forever. God's desire was not that we would live in a place of separation because it's funny is because Adam offended God. And the first thing that God did was He went to Adam. Even when he did not admit his wrongdoing. I mean, we like to, as, as, as pastors, almost kind of like glaze over the fact, but I was really thinking about, did Adam ever really ask for forgiveness? No. Until he knew his punishment. And who did he blame? The wife, right? Don't point at Sue, point at your wife. <laughs> totally pointing at you. But in that, he didn't even take responsibility for his actions. He didn't. Now think about this. The whole Gospel is summed up in one word. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Humanity offended God. And God warned them that like, if you do this, I'm sorry. I've given you everything in life. I've given you everything and more. There's nothing I've ever held back from you. But if you do this one thing, you're just proving your love to me. That's all it was. If you do this one thing and there's a reason why I don't want you to do this, it's to protect you. And Adam sinned, offended God. So think about this. Let's bring this into human terms because I don't want to get all theological on you. I could, that, just, that doesn't help you, does it? It confuses you. What happens when you have been offended by someone else? What's your first response? What happens when, when someone has really hurt you? What happens when, when someone questions your integrity and your character because really what they're questioning is is their identity, right? And that's really what Adam was doing to God was he was questioning God's integrity, his identity as creator of all. That's all Adam was doing was he was questioning the identity and integrity and character of God. And whenever we are offended, what do we do? We feel the same way. So I got the mic out. 
Because I want to hear from you. Sushira, come on up. I totally just didn't put her on the spot. We prepared this beforehand. <laughs> Yesterday at our training, she gave a great illustration of this. And all of a sudden, I'm like, she's totally in my sermon tomorrow. She doesn't know it, but I called her for <laughs> advice. Share us how you were offended over the last two weeks. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, um, I'm a dental hygienist. and You're my I, dental hygienist too. You clean my teeth. There's several, several oh, okay, of you cool. in here actually. <laughs> um, and a couple weeks ago I had a patient that I hadn't met before and she came in and um, just reading through her history, she's just a, a difficult person. And so I, I put my energy into her and I, I did a really good job with her and I ran a half an hour late the entire day because of this woman. And that's really hard for me because if you know me as a dental hygienist, I'm very punctual as well. I tried to be. So um, I was a half an hour late. I ha went through a crazy scenario with her and I walked away and everybody was like, wow. And I'm like, that went, like, that went really well, like really well. And I did a really good job. Like, her teeth were really clean when she left. <laughs> like, really clean. Like, I needed a before and an after picture because it was good. So, a about a week later, um, my coworker comes up to me and she says, so I'm seeing a patient on Friday of yours that you missed a spot on. And I said, who's the patient? And she showed me the chart and I said, oh, no, no. <laughs> I did not miss a spot. I was angry. I, I mean, like... I mean like raging angry, like bubbling, like it was, I was like about to bust. I was so mad. And um, it, it led to this whole thing and she was coming Friday and so she gets in on Friday and I'm avoiding her. Now, for those of you that know my office, it's like there's nowhere for me to hide. So I'm sitting at the desk and I finished another patient and I'm, I'm writing in my chart and, um, you know, I had been told prior, like, listen, this is not you, this is her, don't take it personal, it's, it's no reflection, blah, blah, blah. And I was just still, like, seething. And um, I, so I'm sitting there and I'm writing my chart and I see her out of the corner of my eye and there's several people standing around and um, she's like, um, hi, Sue. And I'm like, hi. Like, writing, like, I'm busy here. And um, she says, I, I owe you an apology in front of everybody. And I said, oh. And I looked back down. And she says, no, 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 I, I thought that you missed a spot. And, and it turns out it was just the space between my teeth. And you didn't miss a spot. And blah, blah, blah. And um, I was just like, oh. And I looked back down. I would not give her any sense of forgiveness in that moment. I, I couldn't. I was angry. And, I, and, and she graciously apologized to me in front of other people she didn't know, other people that didn't know the scenario, and I just totally brushed her off. The door closed, and I looked at the receptionist, and I'm like, I feel awful. Like, I, I instantly was, like, so guilt-ridden that I couldn't even accept this woman's apology. And, like, who does that? Who apologizes because they thought you missed a spot and you didn't and they, you know, and um, it, it, I wrestled with it and I, I talked to Jess and we, we kind of talked about it for a while and I talked to Ed and I just, this went on and I kept talking about it at work and everybody's like, it's all right, it's fine, you weren't mean, you weren't rude, you just said, oh, you know, like, oh. no big deal. <laughs> so, um, Friday, 
the receptionist comes up to me and she hands me a piece of paper and she says, this is for you. And it was a letter. And this patient had written me a letter apologizing and um, kind of praising me in it as well. And I was just like, wow, God, like, what are you, what are you doing here? Because it was an opportunity to talk to my coworkers through the whole thing. It was an opportunity for Jess and I to talk about it. It was, it was an opportunity, and it just, like, hit me. I'm like, wow, God, that's a Kairos moment. Like, you brought me full circle on something that really teeth aren't that big of a deal, you know, but my pride and my anger and learning to forgive and um, so, needless to say, I have a phone call to make tomorrow. So. Mm. Now, here's a neat thing, and we're going to keep diving into this for a few more moments. Forgiveness is the gospel. Summed up in one word, forgiveness. I just want to read even what the dictionary says about forgiveness. is a person's willingness to excuse a fault or an offense, to pardon, to renounce anger. I love that. I can't believe, that, I can't believe Webster says this. To renounce anger and to renounce resentment against another. That's forgiveness. To absolve from payment of a debt. I mean, let's just look at us for a moment. And let's be completely honest because if we're going to truly be, and this is what I loved about Sue yesterday, like I was, we were doing a training, I'm almost crying. I'm like, wow, that's, that's the picture of what God wants to take us through. Because the first question we need to ask is, haven't we offended someone? Haven't we ever offended someone to the point that the relationship was severed? We all have hurt another individual. And in that, when we have severed it, there's two things that happen. We don't want to admit our wrong like Adam. Or we're willing to keep going to that individual time and 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 time again so that relationship would be healed and brought back. But for most people, they don't understand forgiveness. Because they'll forgive you, like, kind of like Sue said, if I could, like, yeah, but the relationship will never be the same. And I think when we talk about forgiveness, we like to talk about how other people offend us. Like, okay, God, I get it. Like, no, but do we realize that this all forgiveness issue came from humanity's offense? If you've ever wronged someone and they've forgiven you, you look at that individual com- through a completely different lens. Healing comes. Restoration comes. And even the relationship can be better. Because you recognize how human you both are and how you can hurt one another. I mean, that was one of the best lessons we learned year two of our marriage. That we were going to hurt each other bad. But we're going to learn from our offenses to forgive and love one another. Do you think we still hurt each other? Last night I went to bed, she said, you're my Superman. I said, what? And then she woke up and said, why didn't you help me with this? I offended her. Like, that's marriage. That's marriage. 
I went from being Superman to like bad guy. You know, the Joker, right? Woo! <laughs> All the time, the Joker. But there's a truth to that. And what we have learned is that in our forgiveness on a daily basis, we realize how much we love one another more because we let go and we forgive. I have had a situation over the last two years that has driven me crazy that I offended someone. And it's no one in the room, so don't worry about it. And what I did, I didn't even do purposely. I thought I was doing something good and it was not, in their eyes, good. And I try to do things the right way and sometimes good intentions end with bad results. And I look back and I saw like things that I could have done different and I went to the person and said, listen, I, I did make mistakes and here are my mistakes. You need to know what my mistakes were. And that person would not forgive me. To the point that we had to sit down and I said, I said you're my brother. You're my Christian brother. And they just said, no, I'm not doing this. I can't do this. I won't. And there's a death in me, a death from this person who I have known and loved for years that the relationship is probably never to be resolved over something that was so easily mended. And I feel that death and that, that pain of what happens when someone is unwilling to forgive your offense that you have verbally said, I am wrong. I didn't do it once. I did it Rob style. I hunted him down one time, two time, three time, four time, five time. And still that death is there. And I think oftentimes that's how people view God. That God takes our offenses and He holds it over our heads. And He just holds it there. The big ones and even the small ones. Like, hey, I screwed up. No, 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 no. But that's not what He did. That's not the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says in Romans 5, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came to be the ultimate form of reconciliation. That there's no more barrier. That when we go to Jesus and we say, I recognize my offenses against God. I recognize that I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of someone to heal my soul. I'm in need that someone needs to transform my life to make me different, better, new. I'm in need that if I don't have Jesus, then I don't have eternity. Jesus came to reconcile us to God. All throughout history, God was chasing the people of Israel. He chased Adam. He chased people who offended Him. And then He said, you know what? Enough's enough. The ultimate form of forgiveness is sending Myself through My Son, Jesus. And so what is the Gospel? The Gospel is our ability to truly understand how God forgives us of all of our wrongdoing. The Gospel is simply understanding that in your offense, 
no matter how big, no matter how small, whether it be an argument with your spouse or divorce, whether it be a little lie or a great big lie, whether it be cheating on a test or cheating on your taxes, no matter how big it is, God's saying, in your humanness, you messed up. And I want you to know that I love you more than any of your your messes you've made. I want to forgive you. I want to give you restoration. I want to give you wholeness. I want to do all this stuff to make it right so that you know that no matter what anyone else thinks of you, your heavenly Father and your identity is found in being forgiven and made new and restored. You see, that's all the Gospel is. That Jesus loves you so much that in your humanness, when you know you're wrong, when you know you've messed up, when you know you've severed relationships, when you've done all these things, God forgives you first and foremost. And I'll be honest with you, when I offended my friend, at first I wanted to pull an atom. I started thinking through all the good things, all of this, all of that, all the steps, all the things, and then I finally said, God, i got to get away and i got to wrestle with this one. And I realized I offended him. And the first thing I said is, God, forgive me. Heal me. Restore me. That was a humbling place. Because we don't like to be wrong. But do you know how you know forgiveness? Is when you have received the ultimate forgiveness from God. And you take that, this is gospel fluency. Knowing the gospel, applying the gospel, and speaking it. So when someone offends you, what do you do? I forgive you. I forgive you. And that's what I love about Sue's story because Sue's story is us. We are offended. We have been offended. But there comes a point that in our tension of, of, of being offended that we realize like, I've offended other people. I've hurt my wife. I've hurt my children. I've hurt coworkers. I've hurt, and we can go right down the line. I have treated my neighbor wrongly. And we can go through all of this. Oh, Rob's a really bad guy. No, that's you and me. But there comes a point that when we really are offended, God starts pushing into you and starts saying, well, what about you? What about you? And how did I respond to you? How did I open your heart and your arms that that you don't carry guilt and shame no more? I don't carry guilt and shame no more of my past. And my past is tainted. My past is ugly. My past, I don't want to just discuss it with my kids, but I do because I want them to know the power of Jesus Christ. I don't carry that anymore. But the gospel fluency is that now when people offend me, it's like, you know what? I forgive you. I forgive you. 
And we can be biblical and we can have Bible studies and we can have great worship and we can do all these things, but if you don't mirror and flow the Gospel because you say, I'm passionate about the plant. I'm passionate about Jesus. I'm passionate about God sending His Son. I'm passionate about all these things. But if you're so passionate and you don't give it to others, you don't get it. Love emerging from forgiveness changes the direction of one's life. I shared how I had an offender, how I offended someone, but I had an offender one time. And that offender, even as a Christian, haunted me. To the point that it was ruining my family. And I had to come to a place of forgiveness. And I never truly knew the Gospel until I forgave my offender. I actually sat down my offender, and it's not Sue, so no one look at her. I was like, man, Sue, what did she do to you? I sat her down. Not Sue. I sat down my offender. And I forgave them. I said, I don't care if you get it or not. I forgive you. And you need to forgive me for how I've let this ruin us. You see, that's gospel fluency. Knowing that Jesus loved you because of your brokenness. Applying it to your life. Receiving forgiveness. But then speaking it by giving it to others. That's gospel fluency. And each one of us in this room have people who have offended us and we have offended others. I think maybe the greatest form of the Gospel is when we have offended someone else, we go to them and we say, I am sorry. But we think the Gospel is waiting for that individual to come to us and say, I am sorry. And then we get to play God. I forgive you. No, that's not the Gospel. The Gospel is your ability to forgive your offenses done to you. That's the Gospel. Simply because you have received forgiveness from Jesus Christ. You guys are going to hate this day, aren't you? This is like a really like good and bad day. Because for you who get this, you're like, wow. I recognize my humanness. And some of you are thinking, man, there's people that I need to forgive. Yeah. There's people you need to forgive. And that's what I loved about Sue. It wasn't this light, fluffy story. It was like, honestly, like, uh uh-uh. She questioned my character. She questioned my integrity. She questioned my position. She questioned my gifting. But when you hear that in Sue's voice, you hear that like, wow. The Gospel is gracing this woman. And the ultimate form of the Gospel is not just forgiving her because she apologized, but gracing her because she offended you. I'm really sick of playing church. I'm really sick of it. If we play church, you're going to find another pastor. There's so many more things in life I could do. 
But I want a shepherd for one reason alone, because I want to go with people who want to mirror and reflect the love, truth, and compassion of Jesus Christ. Gospel fluency. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him has eternal life. God healed your spiritual offense. And now because you have received it, who are you giving it to someone else? Before we go to the Lord's table, let me say this. The Apostle Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 1. He said, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the reason he was so bold about this was that he was a man of great sin. He was a murderer. He sent people out to kill Christians. He hated Jesus. And when he was revealed and received the power of Jesus Christ, it changed the direction of his life. That he was so passionate about it that that's all he could speak of. That's all he could reveal. And his whole life, this is what he did. Our passions are what we speak about and what we love. There's been times in my offenses to others when they have forgiven me that I see Jesus in more than anything else. Wow, in my humanness, someone forgave me. But then I get to be Jesus to someone else. When someone comes to me and they wrong me, I have the opportunity to be Jesus to them. I forgive you.